Today about something that I think a lot of believers struggle with, and that is feeling like what you are doing in the body of Christ matters. I don't know about you, but one thing that I used to struggle with and sometimes still do, I'll just be honest, sometimes I still do, is looking at what God is doing in my life and how he is using me and not necessarily feeling like that is important enough. Like feeling like you are minimizing yourself because of what you are doing or because of what you are not doing. Does that make sense? finding your place and knowing that your place is important. And I think a lot of people struggle with this, um, especially in our community, because what we do as believers is we just love God and we want to follow truth and we want to make sure that we're living for him and that we're being fishers of men and that we are sharing the gospel with those in the world, those that we care about, our families, our friends, anybody, anybody that comes into our lives, we just want to share the gospel. And that's what we're instructed to do. But how do you find comfort in knowing that your gift that God is ministering to you and gracing you with, how do you find comfort in knowing that that particular gift is still good, especially when you look around at what other people are doing and you say, man, well, compared to what they're doing, oh, I'm not doing nothing compared to what they're doing. Like they have a ministry, they have a platform, they've got a million followers, they've got half a million followers, like I'm nowhere near them. How many people wrestle with these thoughts? Is it just me? Is there anyone else who feels like this or you feel like you are not as equally important in the body of Christ, maybe because you don't know scripture or you know scripture, but you just can't memorize it or recite it. And you're like, well, I, I I'm not a teacher. Like I, that's, that's not me. Does anyone else feel like that? Or have you felt like that in the past? If you have, and if you're struggling with if you're if you're struggling with finding the importance in what you're doing and if you're struggling with with wanting to be comforted with knowing that the gift that you have is still good then this message is for you so this is coming out of this message is going to be coming out of the book of 1 Corinthians um, and Paul is the author Paul is one of the apostles who I just absolutely love reading behind uh, because Paul was so gifted. Um, he was so gifted with his speech. 
with how he presented the gospel, with how he made it make sense. And he had a lot of wisdom. He had a lot of wisdom. Um, so this is going to be coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read it through for you. And if you have your Bible, I please ask that you follow along. But if not, you're welcome to listen and just, you know, sit here and, and chit chat for the next couple of minutes. So starting in verse chapter one, it reads this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. And by the way, I'm reading King James Version. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of yees and these and therefores, but bear with me. I'm going to try to make sure that I, I make it make sense for you. Starting with verse chapter one, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there, are and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the same self spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Then in verse chapter 12, he says this, for as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Wherefore, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it, for, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole, and if the whole were hearing, the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body 
and it has pleased him. He said it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet, but one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for thee. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And the members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered, ooh, but God has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. That there should be no schism. I think I said that right, schism. <laughs> that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all of the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are now you are the body of Christ and members and members in particular. Wow. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but that was good. That was good. That was good, good, good. So I'm gonna go through and break this down because you're probably like, um, okay, well, you just read that, but what are you saying? So what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, is he is saying that the body of Christ is one. Now we are one body, but we are many members. So if you think about, if you think about the anatomy of the human body, right? Our, the human body is extremely complex, right? We've got cells. We've got tissues, we've got organ systems, we've got entire, um, what is it? It's cells, oh goodness, taking me back to biology. Cells, um, tissue, whatever, go, whatever. Don't make me use my brain right now. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the, the human body is so complex and we've got millions and billions of tiny things inside of our body that make our bodies operate as one. You know, for example, we've got neurons, we've got uh, electric impulses that take messages to and from our brain, we've got the blood, we've got blood vessels, we've got arteries, we've got organs, we've got organ systems, you know, we've got tissue, muscle, all these things, the skeleton, and without just one of those things that our bodies need, it begins to shut down. Because even if something is so, in, it is so small to the body, without it, our bodies don't run the same. For example, um, you know, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of diseases all around the world, you know, just to name one in particular. Um, there's kidney disease, 
you know, someone who is going into kidney failure. Now you've got two kidneys. You got, you've got two kidneys. <laughs> so even without just one kidney, your body will still run. It will run, it will function, but it will not function at its optimal performance. And without your kidneys, other parts of your body fall behind and require more work. So in the body of Christ, it is literally almost identical to the way our physical bodies operate. We are one body, but we are composed of so many components. And each component, no matter how small it is. And Paul is saying in first, in first chapter one, he says, now brothers, I'm telling you this concerning spiritual gifts. So he is making the assessment on the spiritual gifts. Now, what are the spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts, and I have to make sure that I went to look these up. Hold on. There's wisdom, there is um, discernment, there are, there are nine, hold on, caught me off guard here. So the spiritual gifts are um, wisdom, there's discernment, there's healing, there's prophecy, there's speaking in tongues, there is uh, um, interpreting tongues, and what else? My goodness. Uh, speaking in tongues. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and find the exact scriptures that I'm not trying to quote off the top of my head. But I want to say that it's in, I want to say that it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I feel like it's in here. Yeah, it's literally in here. My goodness, I'm, I'm working and it's literally right here in my face. See, now that's one of my gifts and I need to work on is. <laughs> All right, so the gifts are these, wisdom, knowledge of word, uh, faith, uh, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in diverse tongues and interpretation of diverse tongues. So those are the nine that I literally just went to look for and they were in my face. <laughs> so Paul is addressing the topic of spiritual gifts because apparently for him to be talking about this, just think about it, for him to be talking about this, there must have been some type of conversation about spiritual superiority, right? Because Paul was someone who was given the revelation of the mystery of God. So in order to have this type of understanding, the spirit of God was pouring through him to deliver this message. And it must have been, just looking and reading back through context, it must have been a conversation about what was more important than the other. So literally in verse one, he's telling you, brothers, I'm telling you this so you are not ignorant, meaning so you're not out here just not knowing what the gifts are, and what they should mean to you. And then he goes on to say that, that we, were gen, we were once Gentiles given um, giving honor and being carried away by dumb idols because that's how we were led. And in verse three, he just reiterates the fact that 
every person who believes and calls on Jesus is, is uh, doing so through the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is the one who is bestowing these gifts upon us. And then he says, now there are diversity of gifts, meaning there are a number of gifts. Every person who has the Holy Spirit is not going to have the same exact gift. There are a diversity of gifts, but it is the same spirit. So it is the, it is the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God that is sourcing these gifts. And then he also says, and this is important, there are a difference, there are differences of administration. Now, administration is how something is given to somebody. If I'm an administrator, or let's say, you know, as a nurse, um, I administer a medication to a patient. I administer um, a oral medication. I can administer an intravenous medication. I can administer an intramuscular medication. So it can either go down by mouth, it can go down, uh, it can be injected into the muscle, it can be injected into the bloodstream. There are many ways that the spirit uh, gifts those gifts. And there are many ways that the, that the gifts are administered to the world, to other people. Does this make sense? And then in chapter, uh, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse number six, he says, there are a diversity of operations, but it is the same God which works in all. So right here, it's giving us the breakdown um, of, of what this means. He's saying, there's a number of gifts, there's a number of ways to administer it, and there's a number of, way, there's a number of ways that it operates. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit do not operate the same way through everyone. They are not administered the same way to everyone, and they're not given in the same way to everyone. So there's the foundation right there. Then it says, but the manifestation of the spirit, which means the product, the evidence of the spirit is given to every man that he may profit from it, that he will be profited with all. For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is having knowledge. So whenever I, I try to explain this, I try to explain it this way. So having wisdom and having knowledge are two different things, right? So I'll use this as an example. I, I just keep going back to the thing that I know, <laughs> right? So when I was in nursing school, I had to read many, many textbooks. I had to learn about the anatomy of the body, had to learn about medications, I had to learn about drug, um, uh, I had to learn about the different medications, the drugs, the side effects, the adverse reactions, things to take into consideration like cultural differences, X, Y, and Z, right? Now, me reading the book, I was like, yeah, mm -hmm, this makes sense. I understand it, I get it, this is cool. I think I'm ready to go be a nurse, right? So I have the knowledge of the thing that I know. But what I didn't have at the time was the practical application of my knowledge. So for example, I'll give you this as an example because it happened so many times. 
Um, if you have a family member or if you've ever been to a hospital, you've probably seen an IV hanging or being administered, or maybe you've had an IV that you had to actually you know, have or give to someone else if you work in the medical field. So one of the things that you absolutely have to do when starting an IV is you have to get the air out of the line. It's called priming it. So that means that when I connect my um, IV solution to the bag, to the line that it's gonna drain through from the bag to the patient's arm, there cannot be any air that's in that line. Because if there is air in that line and it goes into a patient's arm, it can possibly kill them or cause other serious complications. So I can read about this and I can say, I remember, I know that I shouldn't do this. I know that I should do this. But when I'm in that situation and I'm practically applying what I know, what I learn, there is a margin of error that can happen because I can forget. Maybe I'm distracted. Maybe I've got my hands full or maybe I did prime the line, but maybe I didn't prime it enough. Maybe I didn't leave it draining long enough to get all of the bubbles out. So let's say as a result of that, the patient begins to have complications, they have chest pain or they have you know uh, swelling in their arm. And I go back and I look and I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to prime the line. Or, oh my goodness, I didn't prime the line long enough. Now, because of the experience that I went through, it changes what I knew to wisdom because I went through it. And I went through it and I came out with a lesson, something that I didn't know before because I practically applied my knowledge and I have experience with my knowledge. I don't just have knowledge. And wisdom is something that is given to all. There are children who are wise. <laughs> and, and you're just like, wow, you were so wise. You know, they speak things and, and you're like, man, I didn't even look at it. I didn't even look at it that way. And then we have our, our, our elders who have lived life who have gone through things who have lived through experiences and maybe they speak life into our young children they say when i did this this is what happened don't be like me don't do this you know the book of proverbs is a book of wisdom because these apostles these biblical figures went through some stuff and they have something to give us as tokens so if you have the gift of wisdom don't discredit the fact that you have wisdom because there are others in the body who don't have wisdom. Now, does that mean that, that the gift that they operate with is any less than yours? Absolutely not. And does it mean that you have superiority over them because you have wisdom? Absolutely not. The Bible says what? The Bible says that all gifts please God. So if you have wisdom, use your wisdom with excellency and treat your wisdom with 
greatness and, and cherish your wisdom and hold on to it. And then Paul goes on to say that other members of the body have the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So again, going back to the same situation with wisdom, there are some of our brothers and sisters who just know things, right? They know stuff. They look at the scriptures. They can pull out the Hebrew translation. They can pull out the original Greek. They can be in their Bible studying for hours and they just connect the dots. And you're like, man, you're so smart. How do you get that? How, how do you understand this? And it's a gift that, that is bestowed upon them from God. God is giving them his knowledge. He is bestowing, he is imparting on them his knowledge. And this is a gift. So if you're someone who has knowledge and who can go into your Bible and who can, who can look at scriptures and dissect and put context and put precept with precept, line by line and understand things in a way that just links and interlocks, don't discredit your knowledge as not being a valuable gift in God's eyes because he said that he is pleased with all. So moving on, Paul goes on to say that there are also going to be those who have um, faith by the same spirit. So the Bible tells us that with the faith of a mustard seed, we can look at a mountain and tell it to move. Now, we all have faith. As, as believers, we are all to have faith. But there are some believers, according to Paul, who's, who, who was uh, given this word by God, he says that to some, their gift is their faith. There are some people who have this big great faith and it almost seems delusional right <laughs> having faith almost makes you seem delusional because it makes you seem crazy people are like how in the world do you think this is going to work out and people are like i know god's going to do it i know god's going to do it i have absolute faith that god is going to take care of this for me and to the world they're looking like you you trust that much in god like you're really putting that much trust in the Lord. And these people are like, absolutely. I know for a fact, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent next week, but I know it's going to be taken care of. I know it's going to be taken care of. And they have this crazy big faith. And, and Paul says, according to God, that this is a gift. And maybe not all of us believers have that faith. Maybe some of us struggle with having faith. Maybe some of us only have faith because we're holding on by the skin of our teeth and we're just waiting for God. And we're like, okay, God, I'm waiting for you to do this. Some of us have faith of a mustard seed, just a little bitty mustard seed. And then some of us have this great mountain faith. And God says, I am still pleased. So for you, if your gift is your faith, if you feel like for absolutely every single thing in your life, the only thing that you will ever hold on to is your faith, and there is nothing else that can waver you from that, and you can walk into any situation and know that you're going to be covered by the blood of Jesus, that is your gift. Because for some, some of us members in this body, for some of us, that's hard. 
For some of us, we don't know how to trust. For some of us, we know that we should be trusting and that we should be having faith, but we don't know what that actually looks like or what that actually feels like. So if you have this crazy big faith that you can't explain in words to anybody, that is a gift. And God says, with it, I am still pleased. So hold on to that. And then moving right along, Paul goes on to explain another gift, and that is the gift of healing by the same spirit. Now, healing is a gift that is given to us by our faith through the spirit of God. And this involves, uh, healing can be a number of things. Healing can be prayer that induces healing. Sometimes pray, sometimes healing is physically laying hands on the sick and praying away a sickness, praying away pain. This is a gift that God has given to these specific members of his body. So if you are someone who has this gift, it is not a gift of superiority and it is not a gift that puts you beneath anybody else who you may think is doing something bigger than you. God says, I'm pleased with it all. I'm pleased with the person who's praying over uh, someone with depression, just as much as I'm pleased with Sister Faye, who has been having crazy faith all week, who has been going into every day, knowing that she is going to be blessed and that knowing that she is serving God with all her heart. I am equally pleased. I am equally pleased with the person who has laid hands on, on brother Thomas's back because he's been having back pain for weeks. I'm equally as pleased with that person as I am with the man of God who opens his Bible every morning and studies my word for two hours and applies knowledge to his life and applies the word that he has learned to his life. I am equally pleased. God says, I'm equally pleased. And then Paul goes on to continue to say in verse chapter 10, for others, this gift is the working of miracles. Now, again, this can come through many, many ways. It can be operated in many ways. It can be administered in many ways. Healing is, is something that has no limit to it. Whatever God decides to do through a person is what God decides to do through a person. And we can't allow some of our own convictions to waver through that because God says that these spirits operate by the same spirit, by the same spirit that you have faith is the same spirit that a miracle can be performed. It's the same spirit that healing can be performed. It's the same spirit that wisdom and knowledge is bestowed. And then he goes on to say that another has the gift of prophecy. Now, we, we live in a generation now where many prophets are arising, or <laughs> I won't even say prophets because some, some of the prophets are self-proclaimed prophets and they're not actually, uh... <laughs> anyway, moving along. But the Bible says that to another prophecy. Now remember, this is Paul who's speaking. So this was a time where there were prophets who were ordained by God, who were going into other countries and giving a prophecy and telling people to come out of repentance, 
come out of repentance. And he was giving them a vision of what would happen if they did not come out of repentance. So he says to these same people who I'm gifting with the gift of prophecy, I am pleased with them just as much as I am to the members who have wisdom, who have knowledge, who have faith, who can heal, who are working miracles. And then he goes on to say, to another discerning of spirits. Now this is a big one. <laughs> this is a big one because I was talking to one of my good sisters uh, recently and I was telling her, I said, you know what? Well, actually we were both sharing some, um, we were both sharing our stories about Sometimes recently in the past year, the past six months, where we had to sit with ourselves and we told ourselves, we were like, you know what? I, I, I thought I had good discernment, but this situation kind of showed me that my discernment really wasn't hitting the way I thought it was hitting. And maybe I need to go back to God and ask him for just a little bit more. Maybe I need Maybe I need just a little bit of discernment because maybe, maybe my, my discernment odometer needs to be recalibrated because I was off a little bit. <laughs> so for some members of the body, discerning spirits is a gift. Now, every member does not have the gift of discernment. They don't have a gift of discerning spirits, should I say. And if you ask yourself, uh, if you're asking, you know, me or just speaking or thinking in general, what is discernment? Discernment is almost that, uh, how, what's, what's the best way that I can put it? Discernment is knowing what is good, what is good, what is of God, and what is not good of God, right? And it's kind of like that pulling in you, that feeling, that inner thought, part of your mind, right? Where you look at something and you say, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to uh, kind of sit this one out. I'm gonna have to step back a little bit because this don't, mm -mm, this, this really isn't, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. And then it's also that very, strong confirmation like yeah this absolutely is what I need to be doing right now so it's recognizing the spirit it's recognizing that which is a spirit of God and is recognizing that which is not a spirit of God and for some of us we struggle with this we look at things and we hear things and we see things and we're like well you know it's not bad but it's not good so I think, I think this is okay. And I'm gonna just kind of follow my heart on this one. But then discernment is that pulling that's like, no, no, we're, we're absolutely not doing this. Uh, no, ma'am, bring it back, please. So <laughs> your discernment will really have you in, in, in situations that can either keep you from things or 
<laughs> get you out of some things, right? And a lot of us, a lot of us simply struggle with discernment. We're not really sure what spirits to believe because there are seducing spirits that come in the name of Jesus and they are not of God. They're not of God. Some spirits come with what the Bible says, vain philosophy and deceit. So they're things that look good, they talk good, they smell good, they're shining, they're spectacular, and they are just not of God. So if your gift is being able to discern what spirit someone is operating out of, then your gift is from God and God says that he is pleased. And if you're able to assess things from a spiritual perspective, some of our other brothers and sisters cannot do that. Now, does that mean that you are more superior than them? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that they are underneath you? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that you are underneath someone who maybe is healing and prophesying? No. God says, I'm pleased. So if you, if you only have discernment, God says, I'm pleased. If you have discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and healing, God says, I'm still pleased. I'm still pleased. And then he also goes on to say that there will be those who speak in tongues and those who interpret tongues. And it's the same situation all across the board. Now, speaking in tongues is a topic that is controversial in the church because there are some leaders who say that you don't have the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. And they will almost mock you. And they will tell you that you don't have salvation because if you did, you would be able to speak in tongues. And that is one of the biggest lies ever told. Not having the gift of tongue does not mean that you are not saved. It does not mean that you do not have salvation. Why? Because the Bible says that it is a gift. Now the Bible does say that the speaking of tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. But that does not mean that if you don't speak in the gift of the tongue, that you don't have salvation. That is a lie. That is something that is used to manipulate believers and deceive believers. And you should not be swayed away by that doctrine. So if you have the gift of tongue, that does not make you a superior spiritual person. <laughs> and if you don't have the gift of tongue, that does not make you inferior in the, in the body of God, in the, in the body of Christ. And with interpretation, some can hear a tongue and they will know what it means. And there are those who hear a tongue and it, it, makes, it makes no sense. They have no idea what it means. It's like me trying to understand Spanish and I only know English. I, I don't know. <laughs> but God says that he is still pleased, that every gift is still good. So again, Paul goes on to say that all of these spirits work, uh, all of these gifts work through the same spirit, divided to man as he will. Now you don't get to pick your gift. You don't get to go browsing and say, mm, I do like this sermon, but I really want tongue. Yeah, I want tongue. 
You don't get to do that. You don't get to browse for your spirit. This is a gift that is divided to man as he will. Now, can you pray and ask God? Absolutely. You can submit your request. You can submit your request up to God and say, God, I really want to have the gift of tongue. You know, if this is your will for me, may you impart your gift upon me. You can do that. There's nothing in the Bible that speaks against that. But this is a gift. You don't get to tell the Holy Spirit how to gift you. <laughs> if it's my birthday, I don't get to tell you what you should get me. I'm going to be glad with whatever you get me, right? So again, going back to the scriptures, Paul says that all of these spirits work of the same, all of these gifts work through the same spirit, dividing to every man as he will. For the body is one and has many members and all members of the body are, and all of the members are of that body being, being many are one body also of Jesus Christ. So we are all tasked in different ways. We all have an assignment. When you come into the body of Christ, you are gifted with an assignment and you are given a specific function. Now, what your function is, is between you and God. Only he can reveal to you what your purpose is. But he says that we are all one. We are many members. Some of us act as the kidneys. Some of us act as the eyes. Some of us act as the ears. Some of us act as the tongue. Some of us are those very tiny neurons that do the firing and all the stuff behind the scenes. And then some of us are the feet. Some of us are the skin. We are all equally important because if one body, if one member is lacking and the entire body is affected, the entire body. And then he says, we're all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free, all have been made to drink into the spirit for the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body, is the foot therefore not the body? Now, I love this because Paul is explaining that just because one member of the body seems as though it's more important, that doesn't mean that the others are not equally as important. So for example, I wanna put this in a, into a, a uh, practical example that you can understand. Um, because as someone who now has um, a platform, you know, where I'm speaking, I felt this way prior to getting to this point. So there are some of us who, have a different type of operation in the body of Christ, right? Sometimes we can look at people who are doing more than us and say, well, I don't really think that what I'm doing is, is making a difference. I don't think that what I'm doing is important. Now, there are some people in the body of Christ who are people who are called to be in the forefront right? It's like Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elijah was the prophet. He was raised up by God to go be a voice to the people, to the people who are living in sin, to not only his people, Israel, but also to the world. So he was a man who was in a position of leadership, and he was called to that position. Now, one of the important things that I took away from the story of Elijah was that Elisha, 
who worked under Elijah, he administered unto him and he was there to support Elijah, was always there when Elijah came out of his power. So for example, when Elijah went up onto the mountain, he had all of his power in him. The Holy Spirit was flowing through him like fire, right? But then when he came down off of the mountain, it was like that, that long release, like, oh, you know, almost like being weak because you've had so much power inside of you. And then he came back, you know, to his, to his humanity, you know, his, his mankind self, right? So he was operating in the spirit. And then it was like, okay, you know, I got that out. And who was there for him? Elisha. Elisha was just as important because he was the support system for the prophet. So there are people who are called to be in big positions of leadership. There are people who are called to be ministers, called to be leaders, called to be teachers and inspirational speakers, and you know, people who are doing very large scale things in the body of Christ. They have that gift and they have that assignment because it was gifted to them and that's their assignment. Now, just because they have that assignment doesn't mean that the people who are working behind the scenes for them are not just as important. Because if that leader didn't have a team, then that leader wouldn't have a single thing that they had. There would be no operation for their ministry without a team without their scheduler, without the person who puts their speeches together, without the person who's keeping together their schedule, doing their bookkeeping, doing their accounting, the person who is making sure to check in with them every day and make sure they've got everything they needed. They need their team around them to make sure that that leader is prepared and ready. Now, they're all ministering to this person, just like Elisha administered ministered to Elijah. And because that support system was there, Elijah was able to effectively do his job and do it well. So if you are, if you are someone who is not a, uh, a forefront leader in the body of Christ, uh, you know, someone who is in the limelight, so to speak, you're still important if you're one of the people supporting that person. So if you have a position, you know, in your community or in your church, and you're the person who's responsible for, you know, going to the church, making sure that the lights are on, making sure that the sound equipment is ready, you know, or even if you're the person, the person who's doing visual media for your church, you're the person who's putting together audio, doing, you know, mic checks and video checks and all this stuff, right? you are still just important. Or if you're someone who's doing, who's leading a women's Bible study, or maybe you're hosting children's church, you are still just as important because you are a member in the body. And even though you think your specific role is not as important because you're not in the limelight, 
you still have a, 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 a earthly assignment to complete. And God says, I am pleased with your assignment. Because if you are a, if you are a minister to young children, if you are a, a youth group leader, or if you are a, um, a women's Bible study teacher, those women need to hear God through you because God trusted you with a gift. He trusted you enough that he used your vessel to get this thing done because maybe you have a way of communicating with women. Maybe you just connect with women on a way that nobody else connects with women. Or maybe you connect with youth in a way that no one really else can. Maybe you know how to talk to children and put things in a way that they understand. And that's your gift. So treat your gift like it's a gift. Be proud of your gift. Nurture your gift. Tend to your gift. Because God says with it, I'm still pleased. We're not all called to be feet. We're not all called to be the tongue. Some of us are the eyes and the ears. The Bible calls it the watchman. Some of us are called to look and see things through spiritual eyes so that we can go back and warn the other bodies. Because without my eyes, how could I know if there was danger coming my way? Without my ears, how could I hear the train that's coming? Because my, the, the ears and the eyes that I look through is what tells my brain something is dangerous and we need to respond to this. We need to retreat. We need a plan. And some of us in the body of Christ are the eyes and the ears. We see things. We're the watchmen. We're watching for the, we're watching and looking for prophecy. We're watching the signs and the miracles and the stars and the heavens. And we're seeing things in a way that no one else sees. Maybe some of us have knowledge like no other. There are some very amazing people that I follow on TikTok who explain biblical prophecy in a way that I had never understood before. And I'm just like, oh, I've read this scripture so many times. And I didn't get it until just now. What is his name? Oh my goodness, I can't think of his name. There's a brother on TikTok that I follow. He's an older gentleman. He lives like out in the woods. Oh, I have to look for him. But he explains biblical prophecy so beautifully. And I'm just like, thank you. Because I, I needed to see this. I needed to know this. Because I, I didn't know. I didn't understand. But your wisdom, your knowledge, your discernment educates me and teaches me and inspires me. So thank you. And God says, that's a gift. That's a gift. And some of us are the cells in the body. We make things happen. We get things going to and fro. There are women in my community who have a specific job of going out and being a um, and being a tender to the homeless community every weekend, they're in their kitchens cooking, whipping up meals for the homeless because that's their job. And even through their and even through their uh, their kindness and their administering 
to the homeless community, they're healing. They're healing and they're performing miracles. Because imagine being someone who hasn't eaten in three days because everyone who you approach looks at you and tells, and tells you, get out of my face, leave me alone. Or imagine laying there hungry on the ground with a cup in front of you with a sign and people walk by you and look at you and frown and make faces because you smell. Imagine, imagine how relieved and how glad you would feel if one loving person who God told in their ear, go bless this person. Imagine that person saying, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten in three days, you're an angel. You just don't know this is the miracle that I needed. You are still important. So if that's a position that you hold, hold that position with, with grace, hold that position with pride and with honor, with dignity, because your gift is still important. Maybe your gift is your voice. Maybe your gift is speaking life into people, into broken people, into people who need hope, people who just need something to have hope for, something to have joy for. Your gift is still as important. Your gift is still as important as people as big as T.D. Jakes, people as big as Sarah Jakes, people as big as Joel Osteen, you know? These are people who are big time leaders, you know, and I won't even call them leaders. They're, <laughs> that's another conversation. Anyway, I should not have used those three people as an example, but these are people who have really large platforms who, whose ministry has been elevated. That doesn't mean that what you do is any less than what they do, because God says, I am pleased with it all. And I will give you my gift in whatever way that I want you to administer it, in whatever way that I want you to operate under it. And I'm still going to tell you it's good. Some of us are good at putting words together. Some of us do things for the church and we, you know, make sure that the, that, that the potluck Sunday is put together. We make sure that the bulletins are put together. We make sure that the announcements are put together. That's still important. That is still a role. That is still a position. That is still a position. Some of us stand at the door and greet the visitors and make them feel welcome. You are still important. That is a gift. That is, a, that is an operation that God has given to you. That's an assignment that God has given to you. And nobody else can do it better than you because God has trusted you with that. So be proud and honor that gift. I use this example. Like imagine, I don't know, a company like Target, not Target, um, what, AT&T, right? So AT&T has cellular. AT&T has internet, AT&T has cable, right? But in order for AT&T to be this reputable company that they are, their operations have to be in sync with one another, right? So for example, AT&T has customer service. Now, I'm sure that there are people who work for AT&T who have done customer service for, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 plus years, and they probably love it because that's where they feel like they're home. That's where, they, that's where they feel that their passion is. That's where they feel that their heart is. And they give everything into, the, into what they do. They do what they do with excellence. 
because they hold their job with honor, right? Now imagine someone calling into customer service and they're upset or they have questions and they get this wonderful person who loves what they do. And this person is explaining everything to them. They're providing them with quality customer service. They're being kind, they're listening, they're being effective communicators and they're, they're giving them um, you know, the best upgrades, the best resources. They're telling them about different ways that they can use their phone, different ways that they can access the internet, whatever the case. And that person is important in AT&T because with bad customer service, you can't run a company because you won't have customers because people aren't gonna wanna call in and if people know that the customer service is bad, they're going to go somewhere else where they know that if they have a problem, they're going to have uh, they're going to have people who are going to listen to them and be there for them. So if customer service is bad, AT&T doesn't have a good name. And it's the same thing inside of AT&T. AT&T is this big, reputable company. They've also got a billing department and the billing people are people who are good with numbers. They're analytical thinkers. They're able to look at things and pinpoint details, and they're able to to they're able to um, you know audit things and and really look for flaws and things. And that's their gift. And they're happy with what they do. Maybe they've done what they're doing for twenty plus years, and they do it with excellency. So when people call in with billing questions, they're able to say, okay, this is where the error was made. We'll be glad to credit that back to your account. We'll be glad to offer you a refund. We'll be glad to give you this. You know, we'll be glad to offer you a rebate. And they look at things and they say, okay, here we can maximize your bill. Here we can combine and give you a package and you'll be able to save $20 off your bill, X, Y, and Z. And they're good at what they do. And they make the company run. Now, can they make the company run by themselves? No, they cannot. They need customer service. They need the storefront. They need the retail company. They need HR. They need everybody that makes AT&T who they are. It's the same thing, you know, AT&T, they have employees. They have an HR department. HR department is tending to the employees. So they're being the Elisha's to their Elijah. The employees who are on the phones and in the stores are the people who are the leaders. They're, they're the people who are in the main eye and they're providing service and they're doing all these things that the company needs. And then on the back end, behind the scenes, the HR is making sure that every employee, employee has their benefits and they're making sure that everyone's got their time in, that they're, um, you know, their children are covered, they got their, they've got their 401k covered, their IRA, their retirement, they're making sure that all the T's are, are crossed and all the dot and I, all the I's are dotted. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> but they're making sure that their employees are comfortable and satisfied and that they have a great working environment. And they're equally as important because with angry employees, or, be, or, or with employees who don't wanna be there, do you think they're gonna offer quality service? Do you think they're gonna show up and give excellency in what they do? No, they don't. So the people who are tending to the employees are just as important as the employees who are going out and being people standing in front of those customers. They all have to be 
in unity with each other. They're all equally important. And God tells us this is how the body of Christ works. If the foot looks at the hand and says, you're not a foot, so I don't need you. Is that not part of the body? He says, where would the body be? And if the hand looks at the foot and says, you're not a hand, why do I need you? Then the body wouldn't work. He says, if the whole body was an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body was an ear, how would we see? <laughs> we can't all be the same thing because then we wouldn't be because then we wouldn't have multiple positions, multiple functions. So some of us have, you know, really big TikTok followings and that's where we that's our gift. We minister to the people through TikTok, through giving inspirational messages, through bringing them into truth, bringing them into knowledge. And then some people are on the streets and the corners in the communities of people telling them about Jesus. And that's their gift. That's their assignment. And then some people are in the churches, making sure that the church is running effectively. And that's their gift. That's their assignment. And then some of us are book writers and we make and we write books and we create journals and we create things that we know that our members need and we give that to them. And we're just as important as the preacher. We're just as important as the person with 1 million followers on TikTok. We're just as important as the woman who now has a ministry and she's traveling and doing women's conferences and all these other amazing things, we are just as important. Your gift does not diminish because someone else's appears to be bigger. Your gift is a gift from God and we are to treat it with excellency. Paul concludes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31 that he will show you, he says, do not, <laughs> he says, but he says, do not, but covet earnestly the best gift, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Everything that we do should be done with excellence because God is pleased with how we operate our gifts, with how we administer our gifts and how they are given to us and for so much time i just remember being in this crazy mental place because i didn't think that what i was doing was important i would get on i would record messages and get here on my little microphone and on my phone and start recording and when i was done i would discredit everything that god was doing and i would tell myself it's just the podcast. It's just TikTok. It's just the book. It's just the journal. It's, it's nothing big. And here I was discrediting God, not treating his gift with excellency because I didn't have a big platform because I wasn't someone who was well-known. I didn't have uh, 450,000 followers on YouTube. I didn't have YouTube subscribers. People aren't sharing my videos. People aren't doing this. People aren't doing that. I'm looking at everything that's black and I'm not counting all that I have with joy, with goodness. 
And God, I had to really poke at my heart. And he was like, girl, I'm giving you this because I trust you with it. So treat it with excellency. There is nothing that you can do that is going to disappoint me when I am telling you to do it and you're doing it. You have to trust that what God gives you is what he trusts you with. So we can't allow our minds to take us away from the spirit of God by telling us that it's not important. When God says it is because I gave it to you. And if I gave it to you, it's big. So treat it like it's big. Treat everything that God does in your life as if it's grand, as if it's your first time having it. And that's it. That's it. And Paul broke this down so perfectly to us in a way that we could understand. And it was so beautiful. I'm looking for the verse where he said, where he used the word chism, because I remember being stuck on that word. Ah, yes. And uh, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, verse 22. No, no, no. Uh, 21. He says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have a need for you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need for you. So people who are in a position of leadership can't say to those people who are, you know, giving to the homeless community or, you know, working at the soup kitchen, working at the, the, the food station, um, you know, the food pantry. They don't get to say, you're not needed here. You don't get to say that. <laughs> you will be grieving God to say that because that gift was given from him. And then in verse 21, he says, um, sorry, verse 22, he says, no, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Think about the smallest tiny bit of our body, right? The neurons, the cells, our hormones. Oh gosh, Think about how important our hormones are to our body. Something so tiny. Think about our lymph nodes. Something so tiny. Something so tiny is able to cause so much destruction if our, in our body if there is just a small imbalance. Think about women who have hormone issues. They begin to have... Um, you know, diseases like PCOS, infertility, all these different reproductive issues just because of the hormones, the teeny tiny hormones. But they're so important because the hormones are needed for every organ of the body to work in a way that it works because of the receptors. The hormones attach to the receptors in the organs and they need those to operate in the peak maximum functionality. It's the same thing with our neurons, right? If your neurons begin to fire off in your fingertips, in your toes, in your, in your butt, you know, the sciatic nerve. Oh, if you've ever had sciatic nerve pain, you know how much of a pain in the butt that is, literally a pain in the butt, you know? Or if, you've got, if you're diabetic and you've got neuropathy, you've got peripheral neuropathy and your fingertips just fire off and they're like, ah. But those teeny tiny little neurons do such a powerful work. And then right here, Paul says in verse 21, uh, sorry, verse 22 of first, of first Corinthians chapter 12, he says, those feeble body parts, 
are most necessary. Those hormones, those cells, those neurons are most necessary. We give more honor to those body parts that seem uncomely. We give more honor to those body parts that seem less honorable. For the comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together. To temper the body, that means delicacy and craft goes into it. God is an artist and he does things intentionally and perfectly. So every member of his body is placed perfectly. Every gift that you have is placed perfectly. And right now, maybe you don't know what your gift is, but ask God to show you where your strength is. Ask God to illuminate the gift in you. It may be your faith right now. And sometimes these gifts change from season to season. Because there was a time where I didn't have discernment. There was a time when I didn't have faith, big faith. <laughs> and there was a time where I didn't feel as though, you know, I was called to be a leader. I didn't think that I had a voice. But through every season that I go through, God shows to me a new gift. He's like, okay. You trust, I, I trusted you with this gift. You executed it. So now I'm ready to give you this gift. And the gifts of God are without repentance. So we don't get to say, well, you know, well, yeah, I wish I didn't have this gift or I don't really care about this gift. You know, I'm, yeah, it, it's, it's just casting out demons. It's nothing big, you know? And if you're doing deliverance ministry, your work is just as important as as knowledge you know some of us are called to deliverance and deliverance is important in the body of christ some of us are called to teach on spiritual warfare some of us through wisdom and through knowledge of spiritual warfare we can be a leader to those who don't understand who don't know what it looks like and that is our gift because you are equally gifted with the gifts of god and he says i'm pleased with them all He's pleased with them all. So I'm here to just give you some words of encouragement. And I know that I told you that this is gonna be a 10 minute talk. Like I have a problem with getting really, I have a problem with being long-winded and I'm realizing that. And you know what? It is so crazy because when I first started this podcast, you could not get me in front of a mic or a camera without, I had to literally, <laughs> This is how I know God is working. Oh, and I give him the glory. I would literally have to write out everything that I was going to say because I didn't trust. Oh, talk about conviction. <laughs> I didn't trust God enough to think that he was going to speak through me or that he was going to put in my mind the remembrance of all of the things that I knew. So the way that I am, I'm an organized thinker, but I am a very scattered speaker. So in my mind, I can think of things almost in bullet point, in outline, right? Like an outline paper. And my thoughts are very strategic. They flow into each other beautifully. But when I start speaking, it's like, 
it's like a round of bullets and darts going in 10 different directions. And it's like, okay, bring it back in, Jay. Where were we? Can we stay on focus? <laughs> it was so bad that I literally used to have to type out what I was going to say because I wanted to say it in the exact same way that I thought it. And now I'm literally sitting here on Zoom <laughs> recording because I don't have a camera yet. I'm gonna get a professional camera, but it, it's, it's coming, okay? If you wanna donate to the cause, then I absolutely approve of you doing so. But for now, Zoom works. So I'm sitting here on Zoom and the word of God is just, it's pouring. His, his spirit is just pouring through me. And he's putting into my mind the remembrance of the things that I've learned and the things that I have applied to my life. And I never used to be able to do this. I was so nervous about speaking freely, but I've become so long-winded. But I enjoy breaking things down and I enjoy doing what I do because God has entrusted me with this and I'm gonna treat it with excellency because I know that he says that he's pleased with what I'm doing and he's pleased with what you're doing. So if you're not sure what your gift is, ask God to reveal to you and to highlight and to magnify where your strengths are. And I guarantee you, you're gonna see it. People are gonna come to you and say, hey, I really like how you are able to do this, this and this. Can you help me? Or I don't know how to pray and I love the way you pray. Can you help me pray? Or maybe, you know, you know those motivational texts you used to send me every morning? I really like those because they just help me to get through my day. God is going to show you. He's going to literally highlight, shine a light down on it, where your strengths are. And through those strengths, you're going to be able to go minister to other people and to be fishers of men and to bring in people from all over and show them who Christ is. And they're going to look at your life. They're going to look at the way you live your life and they're going to be inspired by it. This is what God wants from us. So ask God what your gift is if you don't feel like you have a gift or if you don't know what it is. And if you do know what your gift is, Treat your gift with excellency because God says, I am pleased with it. So treat it with excellency, treat it with honor, treat it with pride, treat it with respect and dignity. Treat it as if God literally handed it to you with his physical hands. Treat it like, like glass, like, like porcelain. Like don't, I don't even want to breathe on it. I gotta take care of this so good. Know that you're important and know that your function in this body is just as important. And we need you. We need you doing what you're doing because we all have a job to do, but we can't do it without you. You can't do it without me. I can't do it without you. We can't do it without them. They can't do it without us. We are all equally as important. So whatever your gift is, do it with excellency. I'm so happy that I was able to talk to you guys about this tonight. Um, I hope that it blessed you in some way. And I hope that you are inspired to go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Read it. Read it and really highlight what it means to you. 
and, uh, you know, take, take the, take the good meat out of it and, and digest on it and savor it and meditate on it and ask God to really put this into your heart so that you can feel this every day so that you can remember it so that it will be part of you, that you will know that you are important and that you are a member of his body. Like you are his royal bloodline, literal royalty. That'll make you stand up a little taller and be proud. But I'm glad that I was able to talk to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope that you're all blessed by this. And um, yeah, this was great. So I will see you all again next time. I'm going to try to keep it to 10 minutes. I don't know. I don't even know how long it's been, honestly. <laughs> I'll go get it together. I promise. I'll go get it together. Just bear with me. Just bear with me. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for tuning in again. My name is Jay. And um, I love you. Okay, bye. There's no better way to really say I love you than to do what you say. Do what you say every day. There's no better day to start again than right here, right now. Cause I want to be a place where you feel right I love you then to do what you say, what you say. Every day oh. There's no better day No better day Start again, Start again. Right Cause I want to be, Lord A place where you feel right at home Yeah I want you to feel right at home Oh, Jesus.